Thank you very much. Today I'm going to talk about a healthy diet and healthy indulgences within the context of a healthy diet. And so the two healthy indulgences that we're going to focus on are chocolate and wine. And I know that they're very favorite foods for a lot of people. And um, after today, you're going to find that you don't have to feel guilty or badly about eating chocolate or drinking wine because both of them within the context of a healthy diet, confer a lot of health benefits. So um, I want to start today with just a little background information talking about a healthy diet. And as we talk about you know, healthy indulgences, again, they must be in the context of a healthy diet. And um, within the context of a healthy diet, they even have greater health benefits. So I don't know if you've, you've seen the new Food Guide Pyramid, but this is my pyramid, mypyramid.com. And you can go online and um, you know, figure out your own personalized eating pattern. So I encourage you all to do that. But what's really nice about this is that you know, it gives, I think, very reasonable, realistic guidance for a healthy diet. And, and it's a diet that you can follow that also allows room for healthy indulgences. So if you take a look at mypyramid.gov, you'll see um, actually five different food groups. And these include grains, vegetables, fruit, milk, and meat and beans. And then if we turn the page, um, you can see some specific guidance for all these different food groups. And so just take a look at this. Um, you know, I, I think it gives you some very practical information about foods to include from all these different five, five food groups. Then the next page, um, which is a USDA food guide, daily amount of food from each food group. And it has, I think, 13 different calorie levels. So it's on one side and then on the next side. And if you go to mypyramid.gov, you can figure out how many calories you need to maintain your current weight. And then um, choose the calorie level that's best for you. And follow this guide for the number you know, that tells you how many servings of fruit you should have how many servings of vegetables, how many servings of grains, lean meat, milk, oils, and then at the bottom of the list, discretionary calories, the extras. And that's where the topic of today fits in. Wine and chocolate, they're discretionary calories, but you can see that on a 2,000 calorie diet, sort of the, the benchmark of what people need you can have about 267, around 300, 200 to 300 extra calories. And you can consume them as wine, chocolate, or both within the context of this healthy diet. So I, I know our topic is chocolate and wine. I want to spend our time talking about that. But I really do encourage you to look at this food-based dietary guidance that's you know, really the basis for a healthy diet that decreases risk of a lot of chronic diseases and that also helps you meet all of your nutrient needs. 
And you know, there's some very specific recommendations about the number of servings of dark green vegetables, orange vegetables, legumes, starchy vegetables, and other vegetables like uh, beets and peas that you should have. Very specific recommendation about grain products. Half of your grain should be from whole grains every day. And the other half can be from refined grains. And then, you know, milk, you should have about three servings from the dairy group each day. And, you know, in terms of oils, healthy oils, about um, 27 grams, about two tablespoons a day of healthy oils. So that would be olive oil, canola oil, soybean oil. So all of that's part of a healthy diet. And um, then, let's see. If you look at the very back page here, no, I'm sorry. There's just a lot of specific information about how to meet the recommendations for all these food groups. Let's, what I want to do now is turn our attention to the, the next handout, and this is discretionary calories. And you know, once you figure out, again, how many calories you need around 2,000, then you know, you could, you could get these extra calories as solid fats, as added sugars, or alcohol. And it tells you about how much. Okay, and is, is everybody following along here? Is this, okay, yeah. So this is very straightforward. You just need to look at it a little bit. Uh, but, but I think it gives you really good guidance for when you wanna include sugar, added sugars when you want to include some solid fats like butter and, and even cheese would fall into that category. Or, you know, some baked products. They would fall into this category here. So some very specific guidelines so that you can follow the new food guide pyramid and meet all the recommendations, meet all of your nutrient needs, and decrease your risk of heart disease. Okay, now let's move on to the topic for today. Health benefits of chocolate, health benefits of wine. So um, you've probably seen a lot in the media about health benefits of chocolate. And it's, it's really amazing what's happening in terms of the research coming out, showing many, many health benefits that affect a lot of different diseases. So for example, Cardiovascular disease, I think, is at the top of the list in terms of benefits that chocolate has on a particular disease. And so what are some of the things that chocolate does? Well, you know, it's a potent antioxidant. And um, somebody just gave me something, um, a package from a new product that's come out from Hershey Foods these are called um, Hershey whole bean chocolates, and uh, they're little individual squares. And what you'll see in the back is just um, a little figure here, a little graph that shows the antioxidant content of a lot of foods, including Hershey's chocolates. So, so chocolate is a very potent antioxidant. And what's so important about antioxidants? Well, they scavenge they're a scavenger for free radicals. And so there are all these free radicals that circulate in our body just as a result of normal body metabolism, but they have damaging effects. And they, 
they uh, damage the arteries, they damage cells, uh, and maybe uh, protect against cancer and other diseases as well. But cancer, maybe Alzheimer's, but cardiovascular disease too. So oxidants are bad. These reactive oxygen species are bad for the body in a lot of ways. And antioxidants kind of sequester these oxidants and protect your body from the damage that they do. Now, there are other foods as well that have antioxidants. So fruits and vegetables are a good source of antioxidants. Maybe you've heard that berries are a very good source of antioxidants, but basically a lot of fruits and vegetables are potent antioxidants. Wine is an antioxidant too, and we're gonna be talking about that in just a little bit. And then whole grains are another food, nuts, another food that have potent antioxidant effects. And so what you're hearing is that plant foods are potent antioxidants in general. But um, when you look at this little graph from Hershey's, you're gonna see that chocolate especially has potent antioxidant effects and it's got a lot of antioxidants in it. So it can have uh, a lot of beneficial effects with all those free radicals that build up in our body. Then um, some amazing research showing blood pressure lowering effects of chocolate. So there is a group of Indians, they're called the Kuna Indians. They live um, on an island uh, off the coast of Panama. And every day they drink about three cups of cocoa beverages. Now it's not the hot chocolate that we drink and it's not a milk-based beverage, but it's just the cocoa in water. Just like we drink water, just like we drink coffee, just like we drink tea, they drink this cocoa beverage uh, throughout the day. And remarkably, they do not have age-related increases in blood pressure like we have in the United States and that the whole world has. In the United States, it's like 85% of people over the age of 70 have high blood pressure. And it's just a fact of life that we see blood pressure increases as we get older. But in this group of Indians, um, they do not have age-related increases in blood pressure. You know, their blood pressures are really very stable throughout their adult life. It's really remarkable. So um, there's a, um, an investigator, a scientist at Harvard, who's doing a lot of work with uh, chocolate and blood pressure and is finding that, you know, that what they're seeing is the result of the chocolate that the chocolate beverage that these Kuna Indians are drinking. Then in terms of platelet stickiness, there's some very, very interesting work that's coming out of UC Davis, California, which basically shows that chocolate uh, keeps platelets fluid. And so that we know that, you know, sticky platelets clump and they form blood clots and those blood clots block the flow of blood to the heart, causing a heart attack, block the flow of blood to the brain, causing a stroke. So fluid platelets are a good thing. And in fact, I think a lot of doctors are recommending low-dose aspirin therapy to do the same thing. So the chocolate studies are showing that chocolate 
has the same effect that aspirin does. And actually, that's, that's good news because aspirin does have some side effects, some GI side effects, and it can cause some GI erosion, but chocolate doesn't. So the, the platelet work is amazing as well. Then um, some of the work that we did here at Penn State basically showed that chocolate does not raise bad cholesterol, LDL cholesterol, and it really does have a neutral effect. But compared to other saturated fats, it does lower LDL cholesterol. So chocolate's not going to do anything bad to your bad cholesterol. And um, then the other thing that it does, you can, you can see a couple of other things here, that it increases blood flow. But we're going to go through another little handout that I have. And um, there's a lot of work going on now, both here at Penn State and other places at Yale. Um, there was some work that was done in the Netherlands. And basically shows that chocolate increases flow-mediated dilation of the brachial artery, of the arteries. What does that mean? Well, it makes the arteries more elastic and just causes them to open up more. And so you may have heard of angina, where a person has chest pains, and that's due to you know clogged arteries, reduced blood flow through the arteries. Well, chocolate is now uh, being shown to open up the arteries. So one of my colleagues is doing some work for Hershey Foods on this, Sheila West. And I think that that's really exciting. So you'll hear a lot more about that. But I think that that's another very exciting finding about chocolate. So um, then we have um, something from, a, a, you know, a lengthy handout from chocolate manufacturers. And um, just wanted to point out a couple of things that I think are really <coughs> worthwhile here. Now, you can, you can read about the history of chocolate, and I, I find that so interesting because uh, it's, it's basically saying that uh, chocolate was, many years ago, in ancient civilizations, it was an offering to the gods and for royalty. So for many, many years and centuries, people have valued chocolate and really loved it. So and it's been called the food of the gods. But, um, you know, there's some really interesting information in here about chocolate. And we can, we can come back to the chocolate myths in just a minute. But I just want to talk about the health benefits of chocolate. And this starts on, um, this is chapter 3, and it starts on page 15. And you can follow along or refer back to this. But, um, you know, I'll just review some of the things that we've talked about already. Chocolate, a plant-based food. So on page 16, this little clip talks about blood pressure effects, the benefits of chocolate on blood pressure. Okay, then on page 17, antioxidant effects of chocolate. And here's another graph that you can look at that compares chocolate with a lot of other fruits and vegetables. And you can see it's a potent antioxidant. Basically, you know, scavenging all of those free radicals that are circulating in our bodies, you know, just waiting to do a lot of damage to cells and tissues. And then what I had mentioned um, on page 18 about 
the vascular system. Here you see that um, you know, the arteries benefit from chocolate consumption. It makes them more elastic and they just open up. But then there's something else on the horizon, diabetes and chocolate. And some of the new research is showing increase in insulin sensitivity with chocolate consumption. And so what do we know about insulin sensitivity? Well, we know that when we're, we get overweight, when we get older, our cells are less sensitive to insulin. And so that then blood glucose builds up, our insulin levels are higher, and that's not good. Uh, at, with time, that can lead to diabetes. Well, the chocolate research has shown that chocolate consumption can increase insulin sensitivity. What does that mean? Lowers blood glucose levels, lowers insulin levels. Just makes your cells more sensitive to insulin actions. And that's, I think, a real exciting new area of research. So we see beneficial effects on heart disease, clear benefits, and now beneficial effects on another major chronic disease in the United States, diabetes. And um, some, some research on the, the back here, and these are two little clips, but research forthcoming showing beneficial effects on the immune system so that it kind of um, attenuates some of the bad effects that we see with the immune system creating um, diseases leading to arthritis and autoimmune diseases. So it tempers some of those immune responses, which is, is beneficial, certainly. And then uh, some anti-cancer effects. Now, with the cancer research, it's all done in vitro. That means in the lab, in the test tube, in cell culture. And what they do is they'll take cancer cells and grow them in cell culture and then you know, add chocolate or cocoa to the cell culture, to the test tube, and what they see is a reduction in the progression of cell growth. So now these are just two little tidbits. Uh, I think there's a lot more research that needs to be done before we can say that, that chocolate has beneficial effects on the immune system, that it has beneficial effects as an anti-cancer agent, but I think stay tuned because there is a little bit of evidence that there are some beneficial effects. Now, in terms of other things, I, I think it's good to just talk a little bit about the myths fact or fiction. And um, these start on page 10. And, um, you know, a lot of people say chocolate is high in caffeine. It's not. It does contain some caffeine, but, you know, we have a lot of other foods that we're consuming that are a lot higher in caffeine. Uh, do people have a biological need for chocolate? No, they don't. But the studies basically show that people like the, the texture of chocolate, that it's such a nice creamy food, and if they crave anything, that's what they crave. Not the chocolate, because they like white chocolate too, and they really enjoy that a lot. So it's not the chocolate, but it's the texture that's highly desirable. Is chocolate highly allergenic? No, it's not. We know that there are certain foods that people are allergic to, and what are they? Milk, eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, soy, wheat, fish, and shellfish. 
And so if somebody's experiencing an allergic reaction to chocolate, it may be because of some of the other ingredients in the chocolate that they're eating, like um, a chocolate and almond bar. Yeah, see, that's it. And, and you're raising a very good point, and that is that, you know, the highly, high polyphenolic compound chocolate, or polyphenols are very bitter. And you can taste them. I mean, you've had pomegranates. They're really bitter. So they're, they're really high in all of these bioactives. And so, um, yeah, the, the more cocoa, the greater the benefit. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. I, thank you. That's great. You know, and, and that really, just to emphasize that these polyphenolic compounds are very, very bitter. So, you know, we used to want to just bind those products up. And now people are enjoying a more bitter chocolate. Yeah, and I think you're raising a very good point. It's confusing. And just like this dark chocolate, milk chocolate, it, you know, you just can't say all dark chocolate is high, milk chocolate isn't. And, but the bad thing is you really don't know when you're at a supermarket unless you have some information like processing. Um, well, I would, I'd go to Chocolate Manufacturers Association, but I can... Um, I, I can get information about one that extends beyond this for you. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's a government website. I, I'll have to check for you. Well, <laughs> you've touched on a very important topic, and it's really a hot button among nutritionists now, high fructose corn syrup, because even with um, juices, you'll look at the first ingredient or second ingredient, and it will be high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> So this has really taken the place of sugar, cane sugar, um, and it's, it's very prevalent in our food supply. Um, the problem with the high fructose corn syrup is that, um, you know, it, it's metabolized a little bit differently from glucose, and it causes your liver to start synthesizing fats, and it causes your blood triglycerides to increase if you drink too much of it. So... I tell people to just be careful and pay attention to ingredient labels. Now, you can't do this when you go to coffee shops because you just don't know or eat out. But um, I think it's good to, to watch added sugar intake. And the main one now is a high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> well, think about it. It's a plant food. And, you know, we're telling everybody to eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, nine, eight to ten servings a day. And the whole emphasis now is more on a plant-based diet. So you can see where cocoa really fits the bill in terms of that message. What do they think about it? Okay. Uh, and, you know, I was on the Dietary Guidelines Committee, and we talked about added sugar. And basically the message is, above all, people should have good oral hygiene, brush their teeth, see their dentist a couple times a year, and... Um, um, you know, rinse their mouth after they eat sugar, and then also drink fluoridated water when they're growing up. That's key. So if you look at you know, this little handout here, basically there are a couple of things. One is there's a lot of research done. Eminem Mars supported this. I think it was uh, some dental school. I think it was in New Jersey. And um, research is showing that some of the components in chocolate uh, decrease plaque. 
So, <laughs> but, but I, I think the message here, if you read this little blurb on page 14 about cavities, uh, the whole message is, and this is really what we came up with on the Dietary Guidelines Committee, is that, you know, above all, it's good oral hygiene that's at the top of the list for preventing cavities. And, um, you know, if people do that and see their dentist and drink fluoridated water, rinse their mouth after they consume sugar-sweetened sweet, beverages, then not to worry. Well, the ones that have 70% chocolate, you know, have a lot of the cocoa, or they're 70% cocoa, where, and so the more, the better, in terms of getting the flavonoids that you Is that need. that high compared to most chocolates? That's high compared to most chocolates. Most are less than 50% on the market. Okay, should we turn our attention to wine now? Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> health benefits of wine. Okay, uh, many health benefits that mainly deal with cardiovascular disease. And so a couple of quotes from you know, um, famous people. Thomas Jefferson says that wine from long habit has become an indispensable uh, food for his health and uh, a 16th century physician, whether wine is a nourishment, medicine, or poison, is a matter of dosage. And I think that that's, that's the message here. So in terms of the dietary guidelines, there was you know, a whole chapter, there's a whole chapter in the book on alcohol. And the message here is that alcohol in moderation is okay. And the key is moderation. And how do you define moderation? Well, two servings a day for men, one serving per day for women. And a serving of wine is five ounces. Five ounces, one glass. So what are some of the benefits? Well, in terms of heart disease, there is, it's a J-shaped curve in terms of alcohol consumption and mortality from heart disease. And so teetotalers have a higher rate of heart disease than people who consume moderate amounts of alcohol. But then when alcohol consumption increases, mortality increases. So the key thing here is to adhere to current recommendations. If you don't drink, don't start drinking. But <laughs> if you enjoy alcohol, it's okay. Just follow current guidelines. Moderate consumption is okay. And the health benefits are, you know, it increases HDL cholesterol. That's the good cholesterol. And there's a dose-response relationship there. So um, it, it's really pretty remarkable that, you know, even if you drink more than what's recommended, HDL will increase. And it does the same thing that chocolate does and, and the same thing that aspirin does. It decreases platelet stickiness. So it helps prevent blood clots. And some studies show it may improve longevity, make you live longer. However, you may have seen that National Geographic a special issue on um, longevity and uh, populations that live a long time. And um, Okinawa was one. 
uh, Sardinia was one, and the Seventh-day Adventist in the United States was another one. Well, two of the populations drink. Sardinia, they drink a lot of wine all the time with meals. Uh, Okinawa, they drink. They drink sake. But, but the Seventh-day Adventist do not drink. So I think that you know, there are some populations that don't drink, but that have probably other very beneficial lifestyle practices and behaviors that help them live a long life. And um, then um, some very, very interesting research that basically shows that um, wine uh, makes the, the arteries much more flexible. They increase the dilation of the arteries. It helps the blood flow through the circulation. So, you know, then there, you know, there's the population research, and it basically shows that people who drink alcohol have a reduced risk of atherosclerosis and a reduced risk of stroke. Okay, but those are population data. And actually, a lot of the research that we have about alcohol comes from populations or group of, groups of people, people who drink versus those that don't, and people who drink different amounts. So, you know, there are benefits of alcohol consumption. Um, I know that people wonder about red wine versus white wine. And here's a, a little blurb for you. Um, we tend to think that red wine is a potent antioxidant. And in fact, it is. You know, it's a plant food. Wine comes from grapes. Okay, but this little article basically says that white wine, in this one study, white wine had more antioxidants than red wine. But I think the message here is that red wine, white wine, they both have antioxidant effects. So in terms of alcohol, two things. Alcohol has beneficial effects. It increases the good cholesterol. And in terms of wines, and if you read this article, you'll see other beverages as well. They talk about cask aged whiskey, dark ales, and stouts, they all have antioxidant activity. A lot of beneficial effects. So I think that you can really enjoy alcohol. You know, alcohol has other benefits. It, it relaxes you. Um, and, you know, it's, um, I think, a nice beverage to have uh, with meals and to enjoy with friends. Now, in terms of cancer, we know that any alcohol does increase risk of a number of cancers, and one is breast cancer. So um, I really think that if you're not drinking alcohol, you shouldn't start drinking alcohol because of, of beneficial cardiovascular effects. Um, and I think you should be aware of increased risk of cancer that, that can be attenuated with a healthy diet. Basically, if you have uh, a good vitamin B intake, you can decrease the risk of, of breast cancer with alcohol consumption. But I, I think it's so important to weigh the benefits and the risk. Lots of cardiovascular benefits and some increased risk, especially increased risk of cancer. Confused. Okay, so there are two components, and this is really a very, very good question, the alcohol. 
and you know a lot of beverages a lot of alcohol all alcoholic beverages have alcohol that benefits the HDL cholesterol your good cholesterol and a student and I just wrote a paper that came out this month if, if anybody wants a copy I'd be happy to send it to you a dose response relationship between alcohol intake and HDL cholesterol if you want to increase your HDL cholesterol drink alcohol any alcohol will do it but then there are beverages that have antioxidant activity. And um, that comes from the grapes. And I guess, you know, some of the, um, some of the, the grains used to make whiskey um, and dark ales and stout beer. So that's another beneficial effect of, you know, certain beverages. A lot of you know, and it really depends. And what you're going to get when you read this article is it really depends upon the grapes that are used. And what we know is that, you know, with plant foods, um, the amount of antioxidants are variable from crop to crop, from different places in the country. So I, I would venture to say that you could get some rosé wine that's very high in antioxidants and probably higher in in antioxidants and some red wines. Yeah. Great for the research. <laughs> <laughs> Probably well chosen. <laughs> but, but you know, still, I think that I, I heard about that study and I thought it was very well done. And I think you're raising such a good point here and it relates to your question too. And that is, you can get antioxidant effects from non-alcoholic beverages. So grape juice, I think, is a perfect example. And then, um, you know what, uh, immune responses too, like you're saying. So um, if you don't drink, yeah, you can, you can get your antioxidants in, you know, uh, juice beverages. Make sure that they're not loaded with high fructose corn syrup. But if you really want to increase your HDL, well, go out and exercise or drink alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so oxalates bind certain minerals. And I think that you probably don't eat so much chocolate that it's going to be a problem. Another food that's high in oxalates is spinach. But, you know, people aren't going to eat huge amounts of spinach day in and day out. What's the situation? Okay, very good question. Um, there have been a couple of meta-analyses on these diets. And... You know, you could call it Atkins. It's really carb-controlled versus low-fat. Uh, Low-carb versus high-carb is what it boils down to. Low-fat is high-carb. And the studies are really showing that after one year, weight loss is the same. Now, with an Atkins-type diet, South Beach-type diet, a Hamptons diet, they're lower in carb. At six months, weight loss is greater. No doubt about that, it's six months. But then at one year, weight loss is the same. So, and I think in part because those diets are, are restrictive. They're hard for people to follow. It's very difficult for people to really limit carbohydrate intake for long periods of time. Because what does it mean? It means, you know, the juices, the beverages, starches, breads, cereals, they really have to be limited. So it's hard. I. I haven't seen the glycemic load controlled for a whole year. So that's a real good question. But I, 
a lot of people are saying, well, there is something now to this glycemic load. So I, I think if you really emphasize whole grains and you know, eat a balanced meal, you can really decrease the glycemic response. Well, okay, the Dean Ornish Lifestyle Heart Program is a total program. Okay, so it's, it's diet, and the diet's very low in total fat, 10% calories from fat. And what we typically eat, people here eat on average 30% calories from fat. So it's a very low fat diet. And it's you know very high in fruits and vegetables. Um, and it, it can be a little bit difficult. For a lot of people, it's hard to follow. But then also physical activity at least three times a week. And then um, stress management every day for one hour. And then group sessions about twice a week for about two hours. Now, um, the research has, has shown that you can really lower cholesterol a lot and you can cause regression of atherosclerosis in your arteries. But some of the more, you know, the, so there was a recent study done on this lifestyle heart program that looked at long-term adherence. And basically what they found is that people who were on the diet for one year had half the decrease in cholesterol than the original study, and about a third of them dropped out. And so, you know, it's not a diet for everybody. It's not a program for everybody. It's, and you got to keep in mind, it's a whole program. So my take on it is that, you know, it's, it becomes your life. You're, you're on the, the Lifestyle Heart Program, the Ornish Diet and Lifestyle Program. And that's what you do with your life is follow, you know, the Ornish Program. I, th I like a diet that's a little bit higher in fat because I think there are a lot of good fats out there. And his diet is basically vegetarian. I think that if you include some fish, two servings of fish per week, that, that can really be of great benefit. And then I think, you know, including some nuts too, uh, basically ha has been shown to have very beneficial effects. And his diet really limits those good sources of fat in the diet. Okay.